Winning's hard. Really, really hard. Texas football returns from their bye week this Saturday against the Kansas State Wildcats, who come in at number 13 on the first college football playoff rankings. Texas coming in at number 24. We'll get that later. But a 6 o'clock kickoff on ABC. Or actually, sorry, Fox Sports 1, forgive me, in Manhattan, going to set up for, uh, I think, the first primetime game since, what, Colin Klein? Yeah, it might be uh, offensive coordinator now for Kansas State. And uh, just kind of looking at what he was running reminded me of, uh, man, how the the Wildcats used to be the purple overlords of the Longhorns. Uh, winning was very hard for Texas uh, under Mac Brown against the Wildcats, uh, three and seven in his career. Since then, it's gotten a little bit easier. Uh, Texas is six and two against the Wildcats since Mac Brown departed. Both of those losses came under Charlie Strong. Tom Herman won all four games against Kansas State. Steve Sarkeesian won his first game against Kansas State. Five straight wins uh, for Texas. And, uh, you know, there are a number of years when I would talk about this game and and write about this preview. And, uh, you know, we'd be talking about the Purple Overlords and how Kansas State owns Texas. Uh, That hasn't been the case recently. Yeah, they really haven't. Um, The last few, I mean, was it Tom Herman's last Big 12 game against Kansas State, and they won 69 to 31. That was in Manhattan after Texas. I think they were on a two game losing streak going to that game. Now they just one game losing streak uh, against Iowa State. They lost two. But yeah, Texas snapped a, a six game losing streak last year against Kansas State who were without Skylar Thompson. And going to this year's game, we don't know the starter for Kansas State, who is now Adrian Martinez, if he'll be, ha- if he'll be healthy or not. Yeah, I mean, kind of. Uh kind of remarkable that Texas hasn't just been winning games against Kansas state. They've been playing get right games against the Wildcats coming out with wins, big storyline, just like it was going into the Oklahoma state game, Spencer Sanders dealing with that shoulder injury to his throwing shoulder that didn't end up keeping out out of the game. He hadn't missed any time before that, a little bit of a different situation, uh, but still a lot of talk about who's going to start at quarterback for Kansas state. Adrian Martinez, a Nebraska transfer. He's missed most of the last two games with a knee injury. It was a game-time decision on Saturday. Didn't end up playing. Um, On Tuesday, Kansas State head coach Chris Kleeman met with the media. Uh, Didn't really have very much information to provide about his starting quarterback, unsurprisingly. He said, we'll find out how the week goes. I don't have that answer. Now, I know that Adrian is closer Uh, He said that he was going into that game uh, against Oklahoma State when they blew the Cowboys out 49-0. Will Howard, the backup, has been playing in the last two games. He's been playing pretty well. Uh, One potentially significant factor that could play into this game is that Howard is a junior. He wants to redshirt this season. He's made two appearances so far. Kansas State, because they're bowl eligible now, they know that they will have five games because they're sitting second in the Big 12 standings. Quite possible that they could be making an appearance in Arlington in the Big 12 championship game. That would be a sixth game. Uh, so Clement uh, said that he wanted to sit down, talk with Will Howard about his redshirt decision, uh, make sure that he understands the plan moving forward, uh, but pointed out that right now he's the healthiest guy that they have of he and Martinez. Uh, that's why they want him to uh, remain a viable candidate. A uh, couple other potential factors. Um, if Martin, if Martinez ends up being able to go on that game, has Howard played well enough, 
that Kansas State would decide to start him. Um, also, Kleeman uh, fielded the question on Tuesday about whether he might decide to platoon the quarterbacks, uh, kind of different skill sets. Martinez, known as a much better runner, he's been able to cut down his, on his interceptions and be more efficient as a passer. Big issue for him when he played with the Cornhuskers. But Howard, definitely uh, a better passing quarterback. Uh, he was 13 of 20 for 250, 25 yards, two touchdowns against TCU, did throw an interception. Uh, but, um, you know, what, what Clement said was that he doesn't want to have a situation where because of, you know, 10 or 15 plays at a game that he would cost Howard a season of eligibility. So really a, a juggling act right now uh, for the Kansas State program right now, even beyond the question of whether Adrian Martinez will be physically capable of playing and whether he'll be healthy enough that his running ability won't be reduced to the extent that it's not worth playing him against the Longhorns. It feels like every game this season – we go in either not knowing who the Texas quarterback will be or who their opponent's quarterback will be. We had a lot. We had two weeks ago with, with Spencer Sanders in Oklahoma State. We had it Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel. It's just the, the new norm in, in college football and and the NFL where teams don't want to tell who their starting quarterback will be to you know tip off their opponent. But you mentioned Will Howard. I mean his performance last year against Texas, nine for 13, 65 passing yards, but. The last two games he's played, he's looked like a completely different quarterback. I mean, he, he threw for nearly 300 against Oklahoma State last week in that 48 to nothing blowout victory, four touchdowns, no interceptions, had a really good 41 yard touchdown pass where he got out of the pocket to a, avoid a sack, a 92 QBR rating, 156 rating overall. And against TCU, 225 yards. So, I mean, if you, know, you mentioned the red shirting, but Howard's performance the last two weeks, I think, gives Cleveland confidence that they could win this game with Howard at quarterback. Yeah, and I think that's a real change from last season. As you mentioned, only 13 pass attempts called by by Colin Klein last year. Only 13 passes attempted. Um, you know, I think a, a lot of maturity has happened for Will Howard uh, since those first two games that he played against Texas. Kind of remarkable that that he has made two appearances against Texas. Uh, given that he was a backup in, in both of those seasons, uh, shoulder injuries for uh, Skylar Thompson, I uh, believe in both of those years, certainly injuries uh, kept him out of those games. Uh, you know, one thing about uh, Will Howard is Texas has seen his running ability. He had a 71 yard touchdown run against Texas last year. Really poor effort from a couple of Texas players on on that play. Deshaun Jameson, uh, B.J. Foster ended up getting benched after that. But in 2020, Will Howard had runs of 69 yards and 80 yards. Uh, so even though Martinez is a more run-heavy quarterback, Will Howard is still very dangerous with his legs. And given some of the issues that, that Texas has had, uh, getting quarterbacks down inside the pocket or being able to get them to the ground once they get out of the pocket. If Will Howard plays, I would expect Kansas State to lean on the running game with him a little bit more than they have in recent weeks. Now, if we get Adrian Martinez, I mean, his career has kind of been tied with Nebraska, which has been like, well, he's been there for 10 years because his older brother, Taylor Martinez, right? That was his first name? Was it Taylor? So. He was at Nebraska for, what, six years, played against Texas, obviously, in that, that Big 12 championship game. But Martinez looks like a completely different quarterback as well. Zero, I mean, he has zero interceptions this year, only four passing touchdowns, 
907 yards, but the ability to run the ball and it helps having Deuce Vaughn back there. But he's been a huge threat on the ground game where, and we've seen Texas, I don't know if struggle is the right word with running quarterbacks. Um, but I mean, this is not an offense they've really faced all year. No, and it, it's an offense that still looks a lot like some of the Kansas State offenses uh, that Texas had trouble with towards the end of the of the Mac Brown era and under Charlie Strong. Those Bill Snyder offenses that like to run some of the some of the single wing stuff, uh, really run some of those run pass options that look like uh, pop plays. Uh, they ran one against TCU, hit. Uh, Deuce Vaughn on a wheel route, scored a touchdown on another one to a tight end who ended up leaking out. Um, They'll run some some quarterback counter as well. Uh, Will Howard had a nice game against against TCU running that. And they'll run a lot of that where they want to run the quarterback inside because Deuce Vaughn on the outside is such a dangerous running back. Uh, whether he's running, um, you know, outside on, on that counter play, running outside zone, uh, extremely dangerous in those situations. And especially, you know, you look at how they w- run that counter play, um, like a lot of teams like to do now, they'll split three wide receivers, put their tight end uh, to the strong side of the formation, leave it clean on the boundary. And then it's not really a situation where the defenders really have a lot of opportunity to really spill or leverage that play with very much help. Deuce Juan had a long touchdown run against TCU uh, where he was able to get, uh, to get into the boundary. Only they were chalkboarded TCU up to the safety level. The safety took a bad angle. So this is an offense uh, that will, will ask some difficult questions of the defense with some of the stuff that they do with how dynamic Deuce Vaughn is. And then, um, you know, the threat of the running game uh, with Will Howard or with Adrian Martinez, if he happens to be healthy. Yeah. Deuce Vaughn only be behind Bijan Robinson in yards in the big 12, 902 on the year, 5.9 yards per carry. Uh, probably also behind Bijan, the most likable running back in the conference. Um, he is a round rock, Texas native where, I'm from, he went to Cedar Ridge High School, um, just an all-around great guy, but he, he's so much fun to watch. Ran for nearly about 150 yards in last year's game, but Texas was able to really hone in on the rushing attack in that second half. Kansas State went in leading by one, actually, one of the rare times Texas led at halftime, then also ended up winning. Actually, one of the rare times they weren't winning at halftime, but came from behind, only scored uh, six points in the second half, based uh, two field goals, one of the ugliest games uh, with Casey Thompson injured and Skylar Thompson injured as well. But if if Howard's able, I mean, I think this game rests on if Howard or Martinez are able to complete some passes in the secondary, which, you know, maybe – ideal for them considering that Texas is pretty banged up right now. Yeah. uh, Just to kind of get back to Deuce Vaughn, son son of former uh, Texas defensive backs coach, Chris Vaughn uh, guy who went to a lot of camps was, was really a standout player uh, for in front of a lot of coaches who are still in the big 12 now. And all of those coaches told him that they wanted to take him. They didn't think that they could because he's five, five, you know, sometimes you have to believe, you know, what you see with your eyes in front of you and the size doesn't matter. Uh, Deuce Vaughn is definitely one of those players. The mistakes of all those other big co- uh, Big 12 coaches has been the gain of Kansas State. He's been a lot, a ton of fun to watch there. Um, but yeah, um, sorry, what, uh, what were you, where were you getting at? I lost my train of thought there. It's been a long day. 
Yeah. Uh, I was just segueing into Kansas State and the quarterbacks being able to maybe target a, a Texas secondary that oh, yeah. dealing with a yes. lot of injuries. But, I mean, they were last year as well. Yeah, so, I mean, concerning, you know, you see uh, Kansas State, you know, able to get up to the third level with Deuce, Deuce Vaughn on that, you know, long touchdown run. They'll really put the linebackers in a lot of conflict, uh, making them, you know, flow towards Vaughn and then run the ball with with Will Howard. And, you know, just being able to get Vaughn or, or Howard, you know, to the ground at that third level of the defense is a real concern with Anthony Cook not expected to play, you know, Jaron Thompson. Hopefully his shoulder is a little bit more healthy. He may be dealing, you know, with some pain there, uh, you know, judging by the harness that he has on it. And then, you know, questions, can Keaton Crawford, you know, make, take the right angles, make those tackles? Is Michael Taft athletic enough to get into those positions? Will Texas opt to go with a guy like J.D. Coffee? you know, as we talked about, you know, a little bit, but, um, you know, Kansas State only one loss this season that came against TCU a couple weeks ago in a game that they really should have won. So after the Texas lost to Oklahoma State, I think, you know, if you tried to be, you know, rational about it, you might have thought, well, okay, it's a road game. You know, we don't know how the health of Quinn Ewers. There's a bunch of wind, apparently, and also it's his first road game. And Oklahoma State's, you know, they're actually, you know, a really good football team. And then they get blown out against Kansas State with Kansas State's backup in. So how do you decipher that Texas loss when you factor in the Kansas State block victory over Oklahoma State last week? Yeah, well, Oklahoma State certainly didn't play as well in Manhattan as they did at home in Stillwater. Um, you know, not having their starting running back hurt, they were without their starting, uh, their leading wide receiver again, Braden Johnson, uh, like they were against Texas. But, um, you know, I think just lacking a little bit of explosiveness became really one-dimensional very quickly because they got behind. Uh, that dimension in the running game was really poor. They weren't able to run the ball at all. And I think that pressure on Spencer Sanders still, you know, dealing with some of his 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 shoulder injury uh, was difficult. But I think, you know, some of the structure of the Kansas State defense, they do play three deep safeties at times at Iowa State flyover defense. I think that was really helpful for them for both negating, you know, a really poor Oklahoma State running back uh, running game um, in that contest, but then also being able to take away some of the passes over the middle that Oklahoma State was able to complete against Texas, make Spencer Sanders work towards the outside of the field. And, uh, you know, so the combination of, of being on the road, of Spencer Sanders not being healthy. And then I think, you know, the injury situation adding up for Oklahoma State just resulted in an absolute beatdown in that game. But, you know, as we talked about in, in Monday's podcast, uh, just a really disappointing result uh, for Texas with what happened to Oklahoma State there. Disappointing to look back on the Texas Tech game and how they've been able to play. Uh, they've been dangerous to some teams, but, you know, were really awful last weekend uh, with the quarterback. But, you know, for Texas now, it's all about, you know, moving forward and, and trying to figure out if they can get some of the stuff right that they've been struggling despite the, the difficulties on the back end um, and then figuring out how they're going to stop whichever quarterbacks in the game. And metrically, Kansas State defense is number 10 in the nation. In fact, actually, these two teams are, are really close for the FEI ratings, which has Texas at number six still. And the Kansas State at number eight, despite losing to TCU earlier in the season, they rank number seven 
in defense efficiency. What have you seen from Kansas State? You know, they have a really experienced Westcott. They bring back seven starters. They got an absolute giant on the defensive line. Felix Enaduke Usoma, who despite what Pat McAfee said, uh, he actually does play for Kansas State and not TCU. But overall, uh, just a really experienced team and uh, a great run defense all around. Yeah, um, I think especially with the structure of their defense, they remind me a little bit of, of Iowa State. They recruit from a very similar pool of players. They have that similar structure. They're very disciplined. They have guys who play hard. They have that uh, excellent edge rusher, Felix. Um, he's a guy who has um, seven and a half sacks on the season. He only has nine tackles for loss, so not a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage besides his sacks, but he's a guy who regularly impacts teams from that edge position. Texas has had pretty good success neutralizing those players, Will Anderson, uh, Will McDonald, uh, two of the best edge players in, in the country. I think uh, Felix is in that mix. I would probably uh, say that Anderson is a better NFL prospect um, ultimately, but all three very productive players all three very good. Texas will have to, um, you know, do a lot of the same things uh, that they did with those players. Uh, but, you know, one thing to watch for Texas, um, Austin Moore is an extremely good linebacker, leads a team with 55 tackles. He's a former wrestler, difficult to deal with at the second level, even though he's a little bit undersized, listed at 6'1", 217 pounds. Like those wrestlers, he really understands leverage. He has an interception. He has seven tackles for loss. He has a, a sack and a half. He's broken up three passes, forced two fumbles. He's a real playmaker at the second level for Kansas State. And then the question of, of whether they'll have Daniel Greenback, uh, who's a senior linebacker. He also he has two interceptions, two and a half tackles for loss, a sack, uh, a pass broken up. But if he can't go, uh, kind of the trickle-down effect of that, Nick Allen, another senior, plays in his position. He's another guy that's been able to take good pass drops, has an interception as well. Um, but as Kleeman said on, on Tuesday, one of the issues for Kansas State, if Daniel Green can't go, is that then they have to take Nick Allen off of some of their special teams. And he's really their leader in their special teams units who make sure that everything gets set up in their kickoff coverage, in their punt coverage. So if Daniel Green can't go, that might give Texas a little bit of an opportunity to spring a kickoff return or spring a punt return on Saturday. I don't know if it's a must win for Sarkeesian, but I'm really interested to see this game because of how Texas has played on the road. The first two games were well aware of what happened in those two second halves, but it feels like they're similar, not just because they were blown leads Westcott, but because in the third and fourth quarter, there was a part where the offense just completely stalled out whether it was with Hudson card or even with when yours that, you know, that third quarter was, was awful where it felt like Texas really had a chance to pull away from not only Texas tech, but also from Oklahoma state because the Texas defense played incredible that third quarter. And I know they kind of gave up some big touchdowns at the very end. And you, know, you could point to the miscommunication and the injuries, but if Candace, the same thing happens this week where Texas has a second half lead, and somehow the Wildcats find the way to win. I mean, what, what's next for Sark in Texas? Well, I know what might be next for me, and I'll probably be quiet quitting on the job after that. Um, it's become extremely tiresome uh, to talk about this for Texas. It's been the oh, same theme in every on almost every road game. It's been the same theme 
with all these blown second half leads and Sark keeps getting questioned about it. And he hasn't said anything groundbreaking in press conferences. It makes me think that he really knows how to turn it around. Um, you know, I would say one of the things that I would like to see the defense do is get a little bit more aggressive yeah. to really, to yeah. really send some pressure, be more aggressive. Don't just sit back and absorb everything and allow yourself to dive a thousand cuts. I mean, if they're going to go out in the, in the fourth quarter, do it sending a zero blitz, at least try and go for it. And I think that goes, and I don't know. I, I mean, I think that would be a poor paradigm to view, you know, what happened in the second half for the offense against Oklahoma state, because going forward and, and looking for a lot of big plays in the passing game when Quinn yours was obviously incapable of doing that in that particular contest would have been, you know, a bad decision. And so, you know, Sarkeesian needs to be able to dial up the right run calls in the second half. He needs to be able to adjust to what he sees the Kansas state defense doing. If Kansas state is struggling, you know, to defend counters in the first half and they figure out how to get to that in the second half, then what does Sark do to be able to counter that response to his counter plays? And so far he hasn't, you know, he, he's just done, he's done a poor job of it. Pete Kwiatkowski has done a poor job of getting his defense to perform well enough to win those games. It's, it hasn't been good enough from either side of the ball for Texas throughout the Steve Sarkeesian era in these key moments. And, it makes it extremely difficult to talk about because it's the same thing every week. And Kansas State, you know, one thing to look out for, they're extremely poor team on third down. They're 113th in the country converting third downs. They're barely over 30%. So, I mean, if, if Texas gets Kansas State into third down and long situations and they can't get off the field, then there's not a lot of hope for the rest of this season. Um, there was one play that I saw, you know, in the TCU game, they were able to spread TCU out. TCU was in zone coverage. They were able to hit Malik Knowles over the middle, almost got him for a long touchdown. And it just looked so much like what we've seen from Texas time after time, after time, after time, where they can't locate guys in zone coverage. Their linebackers aren't taking the right coverage drops and they're giving up those big plays. Kansas state in that one situation was able to do that, but largely this year, they haven't, and they haven't been particularly better. Um, you know, with Will Howard, I'm, I'm, you know, I'd have to look at at his numbers to see, you know, where exactly he's been in, in some of the long uh, third down situations as a passer. You can look at that right now. He's, yeah, he does have some conversion. He's he's attempted three passes, seven to nine yards on third down. He's completed two of them. Both of them went to first downs. Five times he's had third and 10 plus to go. He's converted two of those on uh, on four completed passes. Uh, he's converted first downs on all three of his fourth down passes. And that's the kind of stuff when I look at, you know, the, the issues that Texas has had, even though Kansas State is awful on third down, that's the stuff that makes me really concerned because those are exactly the things that Texas has struggled with. And if Kansas State is able to do that, they have a really good chance of, of winning the game because, you know, when we talk about what happened in the, in the TCU game, they were up 28 to 10 
after Deuce Vaughn had that long touchdown run I was talking about earlier, their win percent, win probability reached over 90% in that game. And then things really fell apart in the second half for them. Like they really, I mean, even worse than a lot of what's happened uh, for Texas. So come out, TCU had the ball first. 13 play, 77 yard drive for a touchdown. Kansas State misses a field goal from 40 plus yards. TCU comes back four plays, 74 yards for a touchdown. Long pass uh, to Quinn Johnson, the former Texas commit, just on a straight go route, torches Kansas State's cornerback. Uh, Jake Rubley comes in. Just a, a bad call by Colin Klein. Rubley tries to throw the ball from one hash all the way to the numbers on the other side. Yeah. Doesn't really step into it very well. Easy interception for TCU. Exchange uh, turnovers on downs by both teams. I thought Kansas State panicked a little bit in that situation. They had just gone down. TCU had scored three straight touchdowns against them. Went for it on, on fourth and one at their own 30-yard line. I mean, just a, a really risky play. Four plays later, TCU scored a touchdown to go up by 10 points. Another missed field goal by Kansas State after that 40-yard field goal missed. And then, you know, desperation time, trying to get back into it. Under four minutes to go, Will Howard throws a pass that gets intercepted. That's the end of the game. So, you know, just a real meltdown by Kansas State in the second half on the road there. Texas hasn't necessarily shown the playmaking in the secondary to get those types of results. Um, But, you know, I think – if Texas is in a situation, you know, to win the game and, um, you know, if that type of things, ha- if that type of thing happens, they'll have a great chance. But, um, you know, I, I think that type of meltdown for a team, you know, that's well coached and disciplined is, is really unlikely. And I think that could pose some real problems for Texas, um, you know, trying to win this game on the road on Saturday. Texas is 0-2 against the spread on the road, by the way, in the line opened as Texas is minus three. Unbelievable. Um, before we get to predictions, Westcott, uh, you talked about PK and how conservative they've been defensively. I mean, now with Ryan Watts, who has been banged up the last few weeks, we don't know how close to hundred percent he will be. Anthony cook, uh, broken forearm. He won't be hundred percent. We don't know if we even see the rest of the season. He might be out there playing in the cast. And you mentioned a walk on, a redshirt freshman of Michael Taft playing the issues with Keaton Crawford. The only, the only solution from just completely getting nickels and dime to death and, and having your secondary just get beat up is you got to be aggressive and rush the passer. You got to find ways to get home and, and make the quarterbacks beat you. And if they do, well, it's better than just, you know, sitting back and, and not blitzing or not trying to sack the quarterback and, and letting whoever it is, because we've seen whether it's Spencer Sanders or Hunter Decker or whoever you want to throw in there, Donathan Smith, they've been able to find holes in the Texas coverage. And that's only going to be amplified considering who's going to be out there. Yeah. I mean, I don't really think that there's a lot of honor in losing like a coward. No. At some point you got to put your balls on the table and see what's hanging. Yeah. And, you know, obviously usually the first step for a coach who's, you know, getting desperate is they're going to fire one of the coordinators and well, Sark can't fire himself. So it's going to be PK. And I think Texas fans would be happy and would want Gary Patterson in that role if he would accept it. But um, it's disappointing that Texas still hasn't figured it out. Now, of course, they can go out and win this game and make us look like fools. But if they don't, I mean, you have TCU next week who they're undefeated. Their offense looks 
scary to say the least. And then you have Kansas and Baylor. So, you you know, you're looking thinking like what happened last year, that six game losing streak is that on the table. I mean, you would hope not considering you still have to play Kansas and a Baylor team that's been up and down and looks beatable, but you know, we, we talked about at the beginning of the year, West got this stretch of the season, you know, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and TCU, where it looks like you could easily be 0-3 if Sark can't figure out the lulls on offense and PK can't figure out the defense. Yeah, uh, going to find out a lot the ne- uh, over the next few weeks that this coaching staff is uh, worth the salaries that they're getting paid. And I honestly, I don't know what you thought, West Scott, but I thought – that third quarter, the defense played well enough for Texas to win. It was just the offense that couldn't get anything going. And by the end of it, it was too late. Yeah, and fairly conservative by Sark coming out of halftime, you know, running the ball on first and second down quite a bit. Um, understandable since they, you know, run the ball well in the first half. But, you know, again, I mean, we might as well just, you know, pull these clips out every week because it's the same thing over and over again. And I'm really tired of talking about it. So, um, it would be nice if uh, at least if they're going to lose, they would choose to do it in a different manner. Yeah, and, and Sark will quickly lose this fan base because one thing's for sure, the Texas fan base is not patient. I mean, look at what Texas – even when Texas was actually winning games, thinking about basketball with Shaka Smart, no one was coming to the games. No one was behind that team at all. And, and look what happened. They ended up not being able to win a single tournament game. And with Sark, I mean – on before the season, we talked about you know the ceiling probably being nine and three, and sure that's still on the table. But this kind of looks like a seven and five, eight and four team, despite being a top ten team when it comes to analytics, which I don't understand. And the college football playoff committee, I mean, they have some some hope and believe in this team because they came in at number twenty four, and you know honestly on a neutral field or a home field, I do think Texas is a top twenty five team, but on the road, you know, that, that looked like a 2021 team, just maybe a little bit better. Yeah. And so I think for me, regardless of who starts at quarterback for Kansas state, um, I'm in show me mode for Texas. I'm not sure if, you know, two weeks, uh, you know, hopefully that would make a difference for Quinn Ewers uh, with his fingernail and be able to, um, you know, get back to making some of the type of throws that, that Texas needs him to make. Uh, especially targeting Xavier Worthy, still looking for those shot plays. Another thing that we've talked about incessantly over the last two seasons, it still hasn't gotten fixed yet. Um, so I'm I'm predicting, you know, a Texas loss. And like I said, uh, if it's going to happen, uh, you know, maybe they'll just get blown out for a change. Texas has dropped to 14th in uh, defensive opponent adjusted efficiency, giving up about – 1.7, I think, uh, 1.75 points per drive and trying to find the total uh, yards per play right now, yeah, about 5.1 yards per play, which is 25th in the nation. Um, any other thoughts here? I'm, I guess official prediction, I mean, I'm missing you're going with Kansas State. Yeah, I mean, judging by the analytics, we should be uh, having a much more positive outlook on Texas and, uh, you know, in their mar- in the margins, they're not getting it done. I think a lot of that is a lack of playmaking across the defense, not coming up with interceptions, uh, not being able to come up with sacks, uh, giving up key plays and in, in bad situations. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I think, uh, I think Kansas state breaks a losing streak against Texas. 
Texas is 35th in the nation in, in rushing defense, uh, I believe. Make sure that right, correct. Yes, they are 35th, about 3.3 yards per carry um, facing a Kansas State team that obviously relies heavily on the run and not the pass, which might be a good thing for, for PK in Texas, but they come in this game averaging 5.6 yards per carry in 228 yards. If you're anti-alytics, I think your case is you bring up this Texas team from 2022. That's your case. Question. Yeah. And on the opposite side, Oklahoma State, um, if you want to look at EPA, you know, usually you divide it up into four qu- quadrants. Oklahoma State's a bad football team. If you look at that, that's kind of perplexed all the analytic guys is how is this Oklahoma State team, you know, at one point they were what, five and five and oh, and then now they're what, six and two. Yeah, um, it might, might come down to coaching effect. That's, uh, you know, what those numbers would suggest to me. Positive for Oklahoma now. State, negative for Texas. Next four weeks against four really good coaches, Kleeman at Kansas State, Sony Dykes, who has revitalized that TCU program. We already know what Lance Leipold did last year, and then Dave Aranda. Um, so hopefully it's not all doom and gloom. I'm um, sorry if we <laughs> were a little bit too negative tonight, but, I mean, wait, we're just trying to be honest, right, Wes Scott? Yeah, no question about that. I wish I felt better about this game. Well, hopefully Monday uh, we are feeling better. How do you feel about the uh, number 24 ranking in the college football playoff? It's uh, worthless. Worthless? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back Monday uh, to recap the Texas Kansas State game. Uh, thanks for listening. Oh, what's got point of preview coming out uh, Wednesday? Yep, it'll be out sometime on Wednesday, maybe maybe late afternoon. Perfect. Check that out uh, again. Listen to the Longhorn Republic podcast. Uh, Gerald and Kyle. They'll have their own Kansas State preview and check out all things Texas on burntorangenation.com as we preview and recap. Make sure you listen to the live show, uh, the post-game live show that I believe Gerald will host. And then we're getting ready for basketball to start. So if Texas does maybe lose this game Saturday, uh, you can look forward to not just one really good basketball team, but two good basketball programs on both the men's and women's side with uh, the first game November 7th for the men's against UTEP and November 11th for the ladies. All right. Till Monday, Wes Scott. Cheers. Cheers. Winning's hard. Really, really hard.